Pastor, thank you. I never get invited back. I'm usually paid large sums of money not to come back. So to be invited back is a real treat. Some of you I remember, met some of you when you were meeting in the school and uh, had the joy of being with you. I've got the best job in the world. I get to travel and do this every day of my life. I average speaking 10 times a week. How much better could it be than that? But that also means I live in a car and I'm married to a GPS. <laughs> I've learned to hate my GPS. I don't like her voice. I don't like her directions. Left the Baptist building in Montgomery not too many days ago and got the directions and she's telling me turn here and turn there and turn here and turn there and then she said uh, the road is closed up front, take this detour. That's not good, especially when you're on a time schedule. And so I'm kicking and screaming and fussing. I was not cussing, but I did think of one word, wrote it down, put it in my pocket. I don't like detours. I know where I need to be. I know how to get there, and I know how much time it takes there. So when I wind up on a detour, my whole schedule is thrown off. And I realize that's the way life is. Sometimes we think we have it all mapped out. Things are just running along pretty smooth. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves on a detour. I want to share with you this morning some things God's doing in my heart. I've entitled it, When the Detour Becomes the Path. You see, I, I don't like detours in my car nor in my life. I love to be in control. I'm sure folks in Florida don't want to do that. Probably no one here this morning's ever had a detour in your car nor in your life. And if you say that's right, I'm preaching on lying tonight. <laughs> that's not life. That's who we are. I love what David said in Psalm 16:11. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I want to share with you this morning some things I'm learning. I had to ask myself the question, what causes detours in life? I, I'm real simple-minded. So when I begin to ask God questions, I try to put it in a form that I can remember. And I came up with three reasons. I believe God gave me these. Here's, here's what I believe. I believe everyone in this room this morning has either been on a detour in life or you're on one now or you will be on one that's theologically sound by the way if you turn to the book of James when trials come not if when so I said Lord what what causes detours in life number one circumstances beyond your control you may wake up in the morning and out of the blue, something happened to you, you didn't see it coming, you had nothing to do with it, you couldn't have waited it off, you couldn't have put it off, you couldn't have prevented it, circumstances beyond your control. I could park my car right there and preach three days. Uh, you'll be glad to know I won't do that today, but I could. Because all of us have been victim from time to time of circumstances beyond our control. Secondly, bad choices. Let's just be real honest. 
You can't fix stupid. (laughs) And sometimes we're just stupid. In fact, I say we're all just one step away from being stupid. And Sammy Gilbert has stepped over that line more than once just to be stupid. And I promise you, bad choices will always cause a detour in your life. So, circumstances beyond your control, bad choices. The third, unfulfilled dreams. I have a degree in psychology. Any psychologist worth his salt will tell you, when mankind loses hope, their life will spiral out of control, usually leading to deep depression. And when we wake up one morning and all of a sudden our lifelong dream is evident that it's not going to come to pass. I woke up this morning, I looked in the mirror, and I said, hmm, chances are I'm not going to ever win the Heisman. Still a hope, but chances are. Some of you woke up this morning, looked in the mirror, and said, hmm, probably not going to be Miss America. Might make it, but chances are. So what happens when we begin to have lifelong dreams and it dawns on us one morning that that's not going to happen. Our life takes a drastic detour. And we go just like I do in my car, kicking and screaming, God, get me off of this detour. Get me out of here. Or why me? We have a favorite saying at our house. We taught our children young. Carol did far better with that with the kids than I did. I was never there. But when our kids would say, why me? Our answer was, why not you? Why do you think you're anybody special? You see what needs to happen this morning. Here's what I believe my assignment is today. My assignment today is to see if I can help you to worship and admit you're on a detour and what to do about it. There are lots of individual things that lead to detour. Boredom, sickness, death, broken homes or divorce, career change, church lost its way, Remember, I'm a state evangelism director for the state of Alabama. 3,280 Alabama Baptist churches. There's never a week that goes by that I don't get a call from a pastor or staff member. And they say, you've got to come help us. We've lost our way. And it's just as painful when a church loses its way as it is when a home loses its way. Because they're all of a sudden on a detour and they're not prepared to deal with it. Rebellion. Oh, by the way, don't ever believe that only youth rebel. Man, I've seen senior adults rebel. It's an ugly sight to see a senior adult man rebelling. That's a nasty. You don't even want to think about that. But, but senior adults can rebel just like youth can, just like children. Lostness. If you've never invited Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord, your life is a constant detour because you're bouncing around in the world trying to find meaning and purpose and you're looking in all the wrong places. 
My hope today is that you would say, hey, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of fighting this. I'm tired of looking like a pinball machine. I'm just tired of, of that. I'm ready to give up and allow God to make my detour the path where I can become all he wants me to be. Wouldn't it be cool if we walked out of here today and every person walking out the door decided, I'm going to allow God to make my detour the path where I can be all he wants me to be. Wouldn't that? Oh, by the way, you're going to get a chance to make that decision this morning. You see, you're going to decide in just a little while whether you're going to stay on your detour kicking and screaming and fussing and cussing or whether you're going to walk out of here and say, I, I, Lord, give you my detour. Would you make it the path to show me what you really want out of my life? That's the choice you're going to make in just a few minutes. I know what you're thinking. You said, man, I, I'm not making that choice. Oh, yes, you are, because I'm going to give you. You've got to choose between one of the two. When you walk out of here, you will have made one of those two choices, and it's your choice. And as I told you a while ago, many of the reasons we're on the detours we're on is because of bad choices. So, what are the consequences of the detour? Now, we've already admitted that most of us are on a detour, and the others that haven't admitted that are just lying. So, we're all, we're all admitting we've we got a problem there. The problem is we don't, we don't recognize the symptoms of the detour. Things like no passion, just lost your enthusiasm for life or anything in particular, loss of joy, loss of burden. You're not concerned about anybody or anything. Loss of direction, you're just aimless. You just get up every morning and react to whatever happens. You don't have a plan in life. You don't have a goal in life. You just get up and react to whatever happens. I tell folks in Alabama with those 3,200 churches that the majority of them have 52 disconnected Sundays. They just get up and pull in a parking lot, walk in and sit down, and expect something good to happen. Well, my friend, nothing good ever just happens. It takes a walk with the Lord. It takes a direction by the Holy Spirit of God. It takes a yieldingness from us to allow God to do something good in our life. And so sometimes those are the symptoms, aimlessly wandering, depression. Here's a statement I keep written on my desk a lot. Lord, don't let my detour be wasted. Do you realize how horrible it would be to be on a detour that's taken you in a direction you had not planned, you had not thought about, and waste it? And not even allow the Lord to get you on the path that He has you on for a reason. You see, I'm not saying God put you on the detour. I'm just saying we need to admit we're on the detour. Now, God, would you make my detour my path where I can learn from you? So what do we do? Uh, well, again, my simple mind, I've got three things I want you to do this morning. I really want you to start by recommitting to the counsel of God. If you're willing this morning to make the decision... Lord, I know I'm on a detour. My life is hell on earth. It's unraveling. I'm unhappy. I've lost my joy. I'm depressed. I don't care whether Lucy's got a stick in her eye. That's an Alabama phrase, by the way. I don't know what it means, but it sounds good. But if that's where you are, what are you going to do about that? And the first thing, you have to recommit to the counsel of God. 
Listen to what James 1.5 says. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Do you understand the reason we need to recommit to the counsel of God is our heart is basically sinful. You do understand that. I mean, how many moms do we have here? How many grandmoms do we have here? Okay. How many of you taught your two or three-year-old how to throw a temper tantrum? How many of you taught your grandchildren, I want you to sit down right here, son. Here's the way you throw a fit. Get down in the floor, hold your breath till you turn blue, and you'll always... Nobody taught their grandchildren to do that. How did they learn that? We're basically sinful. We come into the world with a sinful nature. You know, you didn't teach your children to lie. Your children will lie to you. They were screaming in that bed and you went in there and they had a dirty diaper and you changed their dirty diaper and they loved it. Next time they go to screaming and their diaper's not dirty. They lied to you. They want you in there for attention. They learned to lie. Our heart is basically sinful. Our mind is so severely limited. James, uh, Jeremiah chapter 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? You see, if we could have figured it out, we would have already done so. If we could have gotten it right, we would have already done that. But there's so many things going on that we just need to recommit to the counsel of God. Here's what happens. Now, don't get mad at me. I left my car running. Just want you to know. You see, we're going to be talking about marriage tonight, and, and I just need to go ahead and clear the air, okay? Just go clear the air. If, if you're expecting some guy to come tonight that's got marriage all worked out, you might as well stay at home. I had a series of sermons years ago on raising children, the best you have ever heard, till I had children. <laughs> and I burned those suckers. I developed the greatest marriage series in the world until I married that big, tall Texas girl, and she burned all those. (laughs) I don't have it all worked out. If you've got it all worked out, I promise you, I, I will sit and listen to you tonight. We're all on detours, folks. We didn't see them coming, and we don't know how to get off, and here's what happens. All of a sudden, our marriage is in trouble. And we go talk to our good friends because their marriage is in trouble. They'll know how to help us. How stupid is that? We got a guy out here, and, and his life is just hell on earth, and he realizes he's on a detour, so he goes to talk to his best buddy whose also life's in hell on earth. We're talking to the wrong people. We need to seek the counsel of God. I promise you, the people you're going and talking to, the people you're hanging out with, Misery loves company. They can't give you wise counsel. But that's why we need, on these three things I'm giving you, if we're going to allow God to turn the detour into the path, we need to recommit to the counsel of God. External problems, they're enormous. James chapter 1, verse 2 again. 
Wow. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. I have trouble with that sometimes. Smash my finger with a hammer. I didn't say, oh, thank you, Lord. No. But we need to understand that if you are anywhere near normal, there are things going on in your life that you need just pure, good, godly counsel. So, if we're going to allow the Lord to take our detour and make it the path where He can make us what He wants us to be and develop us into what He wants us to be, we're going to have to recommit to the counsel of God. Secondly, we're going to have to rediscover the wonder of God. First, you recommit to the counsel of God. Secondly, you rediscover the wonder of God. I love what Bertrand Russell says. He said, at least half of the sins of mankind were caused by the fear of boredom. Now, just think about it. I don't know about you, but when my kids got real quiet, I went looking for them. They're up to something. They're tearing the sheetrock off the wall. They've got the chandelier down already. I'm convinced of that. And when we get bored with life, we begin to dabble in sin and look for something that will provide excitement. And so not only do we need to recommit to this wonderful wonder of God after we've really decided, oh, Lord, help me. You see, most of us are not real sure what this wonder is. When we talk about rediscover the wonder of God, the wonder of God is not amazement. Amazement is when I stand... uh, down at the Cape and watch the space shuttle launch. That's amazing. I'm amazed. But, but that, that's not I'm amazed at this thing right here. How do they do that? That's amazement, but that is not the wonder of God. We get amazed at a lot of things. We get surprised. I have a sign on my desk to my staff more than anybody else. And I say, the best surprise is no surprise. I don't like surprises. Oh, mercy. My wife gave me a surprise once. Mm. She decided that that we would recommit our marriage vows without telling me. I'm pastor of the church. Everyone, including God, knew it but me. The end of the service, and they, I've just finished preaching. I am the pastor of the church. I'm the right reverend pastor of Highland Baptist Church. I'm the high potentate of Florence, Alabama. And they tell me to sit down and shut up. You're getting ready to do this. And so I have to stand up and lie and say I I would do this all over again. 85% of all married adults, by the way, surveyed this last year, 85% said they would not remarry their spouse if given the alternative. Sir, if she looks at you, you better do this right here. (laughs) 
because she will hurt you. <laughs> See, the wonder of God is not surprise. It's not admiration. It's not a magic act. It's not a movie. It's not a toy. Do you understand that the world is disappointing to most of us? Come on now, don't get too religious on me. Very few of you, very few of us, really ever thought we'd be where we are today. How in the world did I get here? What happened that, that caused me to be where I am? It's easy to develop the what's the use syndrome. I can't get ahead, doesn't matter. I take two steps forward and three steps back, so I just develop a what's the use syndrome. Listen to this statement. I keep this written so I can get to it. The only person who ever dealt with our basic needs and restores wonder to our lives is Jesus Christ. I don't care who you talk about. But when you read Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For to us a child is born. Oh, you can't read that. That's a Christmas story. Piddle dip. This is God's Word. It wasn't just applied to Christmas story. For to us a child is born. Us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called what? Wonderful. If we're going to allow the detour to become the path, we need to rediscover the wonder of God. You're bored with life. You're ready to throw in the towel. You're ready to just call it quits. Do you understand Paul was just an ordinary religious enthusiast until Jesus entered his life? I'll bet you this, and I'm not a gambler, but I'll bet you this. I bet if you could interview him, he'd say, man, he's wonderful. I don't know about you, but there are days I just need somebody wonderful in my life. It doesn't matter how bad things are going. It doesn't matter how depressed I am, how loss of direction I feel. He's wonderful. Can you imagine John was just an ordinary fisherman till Jesus entered his life. Luke was just an ordinary doctor till Jesus entered his life. Matthew was just an ordinary tax collector till Jesus entered his life. Wouldn't you love to be a news reporter? Wouldn't you love someone? I was telling you, Pastor, uh, or someone yesterday, when I lived in Kentucky, we lived in a little town called Hodgenville, Kentucky. And uh, they just, I don't know, 2,000 people and had one little newspaper printed once a week. And I went to them and convinced them that they needed to issue me a press pass so I could travel with the University of Kentucky basketball team. <laughs> I said, if you'll do that, I'll make exclusive reports to you. You'll be the only one to get them. Wasn't anybody going to read it, but I'm going to do that. And they issued me that. And I traveled with UK's football, uh, basketball team, went in the dressing room, and uh, I'd interview those people. Wouldn't you love to be a newspaper reporter or television reporter and you look at your calendar and you've got a, an interview in the morning with Lazarus? Wouldn't that be cool? Man, what did it feel like? What did you think? 
What did you think when you came out of the tomb? I believe somewhere he'd say, man, he's wonderful. Wouldn't it be neat to interview blind Bartimaeus? He'd never seen the green grass of Florida, the flowers of the villages. Never had seen the face of his parents. I believe blind Bartimaeus would say, man, he's wonderful. You see, we've dealt with the negative so bad. We've fought the detour so long, we've forgotten about the wonder of God. You know that, you know that that's contagious, by the way. I, I'm basically an upbeat person. I don't, I don't get down about much. I refuse to worry about stuff that I have no control over. So I was at the office one day, and boy, I was walking along. I felt, I felt like I could have whipped the whole world. I felt great. I stopped at the water fountain, and one of my co-workers walked up and said, Mr. Sammy, you feel all right? You don't look good. I said, no, man, I feel good. I walked down the hall to the exec's office, walked in the door, and one of the secretaries said, Mr. Sammy, you feel all right? You don't look good. I said, no, I, I, I feel pretty good. I went back to my office. I walked in my office. My secretary said, Mr. Sammy, you all right? You don't look good. I said, no, I don't feel good. <laughs> man, that stuff will work on you. And you can spend all of your time on your detour thinking of how bad it is. It'll rob you of your joy. And I'm telling you, you just need to rediscover the wonder of God. Third and finally, now you understand for an evangelism director, finally does not mean immediately. Okay, just so we understand. So we're going to rediscover the wonder of God. Third and finally, we're going to redefine the peace of God. Think with me. A mother walks up to that bassinet of a newborn babe. And they think, how peaceful. A poet walks through a cemetery and sees an old headstone. Thinks, wow, how peaceful. A duck hunter, a turkey hunter, sitting in a duck blind or a camouflaged place, waiting for the earth to wake up. Just as it begins to break day, I say, man, how peaceful. You understand, especially in the Old Testament, the word for peace does not mean that. The word for peace in the Old Testament, shalom, means possession of adequate resources. Has nothing to do with your external situation, but it has everything to do with your condition on the inside and how you relate to the Father. Jesus, for example, fell asleep in the storm while others were terrified. That does not mean the same as you falling asleep during this sermon, by the way. Jesus fed the 5,000 while others were frantic. He was unbothered by it. He stood by the mourners in the home of Jairus as calm as it could be. He was in the garden when the soldiers came to arrest him. Peter tried to sever a man's head, missed his head, cut his ear off. Jesus said, put that away. Put that away. He wasn't afraid because he knew the path that the Father had for him. At the crucifixion, 
Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Listen to me quickly and finally. Our Lord's first concern for you and for me was not peace, but righteousness. See, we're always screaming, Lord, get this out of my life. Take care of that. If peace is the possession of adequate resources, and it is, then this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Have you been asking, why me? God, how long are you going to leave me on this detour? God, what's it going to take for me to get off of here? Maybe, just maybe this morning, we need to do two things. Maybe, just maybe, in the balcony or the back row all the way to the front, someone needs to say, I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to invite Jesus Christ to me, my Lord and Savior. I'm willing for my detour to become the path that the Lord has for me. Or, secondly, maybe, just maybe, you're a born-again believer and you've lost your joy and your burden. The detours just beat you down. Your marriage is coming apart. Your finances are in chaos your children and your grandchildren have rebelled. Your mate has said, I don't love you anymore. Your workplace said, we don't need you anymore. Maybe, just maybe, you need to come as a believer this morning and say, Lord, I, I just need to recommit and ask you to restore the joy of my salvation. Lord, I want to rediscover the wonder. I'd like for every person to walk out of here this morning looking like you just got away with something. That smile on your face that only God can give when He becomes the adequate resources. When the detour becomes the path, circumstances beyond our control Bad choices and unfulfilled dreams. But we need to recommit to the counsel of God. We need to rediscover the wonder of God. And we need to redefine the peace of God. The peace of God is not the absence of conflict, the peace of God is righteousness.